it seems very obvious now, looking backwards in time. But of course, if you were to take a time machine back in time to see yourself in high school, and you're looking at a you know a fork in the road, a crossroads of a thousand possibilities of where your career could be, where your university, you know, education might go, what different track would I have gone on? Would I have been have the international experience that I had? Would I have pursued learning German like I did? I don't know. Welcome to Dumb It Down, breaking down what really matters in school and work. I'm Eric Larson, and as an engineer, it's easy to fall into a technical conversation and difficult to know the road ahead. Join me and my friends as we reflect on their personal journeys to find out what's actually possible with an engineering degree. We'll dumb down complex topics so we can all get smarter together. Today, I'm joined by Vlad DeRoche, a good friend of mine with a unique background. We both were mechanical engineers at NC State, but Vlad leveraged his uh, internationalness, which he's quite proud of, by the way, to land a job with a really well-known automotive company. Stay to the end to hear what major Vlad would have picked and why he likes Rick and Morty. Hello, everyone. I'm with my good friend, Vlad DeRoche. How are you today, Vlad? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Living the dream in Greenville, South Carolina. Excited to do this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Um, so to set the stage a little bit, so Vlad and I have known each other for a number of years. Um, actually, I, I've been meaning to ask people what their, a good personal story to kind of set the stage. And I think a good one for you to share might be the little uh, rotary funding incident, unless you don't want that to be public. <laughs> I, say, did, I didn't expect you to use that one. I was... You can choose whatever. Ooh, okay, that's that's good. That's good. Um, so, so I was part of the um, the 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 high school version of the Rotary Club, right? The little branch of the, the big Rotary Club in in South Mecklenburg High School in Charlotte, uh, North Service Carolina. Yeah, right on. And so every year they give out this um, uh, number of scholarships to people to students that are. It involves an interview, all this stuff. Anyway, long story short, I won the second or third prize, whatever it was, two hundred or five hundred dollars. They just give you a check, and so I was—I just literally, I took that money, went out to the mall, and I bought a bunch of stuff. Like, and uh, you know, and, and I guess the intention of the scholarship, of course, is maybe to um, uh, to put that towards your tuition. I guess is the most direct maybe. way to scholarship, right? So I I, took, I interpreted it a little bit differently at, at that point, but. Um, I got my just desserts uh, only about a year and a half later when I'm my friend Eric on the uh, here. Uh, his family was nice enough to give me a ride back to Charlotte from Raleigh because we both went to NC State University for our bachelors, and we're driving back, and we're just you know exchanging all these kinds of stories. And at some at some point, we're um, we, talk, we start talking about the Rotary, you know, the, this this Rotary Club and and how I won the scholarship, and I was like, yeah, man, like jokes on them. I uh, took out two hundred dollars and I just went to the mall immediately. Spent all that money, easiest money I've ever spent. And all of a sudden, I'm, I see this. I feel this weird vibe, super weird vibe in the in the car. You know, it's his dad, it's his it's his sister, it's 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 Eric, and and Eric's just egging me. I was like, yeah, really? Like you spent all that money? That's that's interesting. You spent all that money on just just useless stuff at the mall. That's very interesting. Um, and then all this, and I just feel this weird tension all of a sudden, I think it was either your sister or you, you were like, yeah, my dad is the president of, the <laughs> of that, of that like branch of the Rotary club that paid for your, 
for your little uh, gallivanting around in the mall. And needless to say, I was uh, very embarrassed. But Eric seems to like the story. Yeah, the ha happy end of the story, right? I mean, we're still semi-friends. Um, yeah, so right, we, we met each other freshman year at NC State. We go through one year, and then Vlad forgets to return his keys at the end of the year, hitches a ride with my dad and sister, who he had never met, and um, proceeded to, yeah, just insult everything my dad stood for. Not, not a big deal. <laughs> so so all right so let's let's start from the top i did technically meet you in high school but let's let's start back there so vlad de roche um well your background's kind of unique too i know you're from ukraine originally but when you were coming up senior in high school looking at the next move were you pretty expected to go to college what was what was on your mind as a senior so i mean my my background, like you said, I'm, I'm from Ukraine originally, and um, so I came here with my mom. My dad is still in Ukraine, and they both had a um, got a higher education um, in in Ukraine back in the day. And so my expectation, well, their expectation for me was always to do to go to college. Um, and so that was kind of the mindset I had going through middle school and then beginning of high school. And then it was just a matter of what I was going to choose. Um, so finding myself in high school, I really, you know, I remember we had in seventh grade, I think actually we had a, a mechanical engineer come in and just uh, talk, talk about engineering, what he did in our algebra class. And I remember just thinking he was talking about what he did, didn't pay attention. The, the one thing I did pay attention to was that he said, when somebody asked him how much he made, and I remember he said, it, he told me his salary, which at that point was like 60,000 or something. And I was like, and I was just the rest, the rest of the time that he was explaining to us what he did in this in this engineering firm. I was just thinking, okay, what can I do with sixty thousand dollars a year? Probably buy a nice car, a house. And I was thinking, like, that's the, that's what you need. That's what you want. That's the point is to use your engineering degree, right? Your education to get a job that will give you that money, so you can get the, you know, all that blang blang. Um, so, so that was kind of, yeah, that was my mindset coming into high school, and then I was just thinking, kind of. Simple, very, very basic level. What uh, subjects am I good at? What are my interests? So we had um, we had re two really good teachers. Our calculus teacher was very, very good, and he had he was using all these innovative teaching strategies. He would allow us to actually uh, come back and do corrections for our tests. Uh, very motivating. Same thing with our chemistry teacher. It was very it held us to very high esteem, and um, I just I think the the, the core of that was the fact I just liked solving those problems. I liked um, getting all the variables together, trying to figure it out um, and, you know, coming to the teacher for support, whatever. And also my, all my closest friends were in those classes with me. So we, we kind of used that, um, that little camaraderie, that um, inert competitiveness that we had with each other uh, to, to push ourselves to um, excel in those fields. So that was kind of my, um, my baseline for, choosing okay now i know I, I know i like those highly technical what highly technical mathematics whatever chemistry ap chemistry where do i go from there yeah so recap senior couple good teachers couple good classes and money were the primary forces money, and yeah, yeah your, your parents had always stressed education so that made sense so i know so, so vlad ended up going to nc state you applied to a couple different schools what made you choose state so I applied to Georgia Tech. I applied to NC State, and that was actually, I think that was it. I think that was it. 
And I got into both Georgia Tech, and when, uh, once I got the acceptance letter and I started looking to actually much it's going to cost, you know, Georgia Tech being out of state, me living in Charlotte, North Carolina, of course, uh, it was, it just didn't, it was about twice as expensive as NC State. Um, yep. And that was basically the, the choice for me. It was that plus, again, my two closest friends uh, also were going to go to NC State. So it was pretty easy, pretty easy decision for me to make. I didn't have some kind of college fund for my parents. Um, it, I knew I was going in. I was going to take on take, take on student loans. Um, so it was that kind of pushed me that direction as well. Sure. So yeah. So knowing the way that state operates, you apply as undeclared, and then you figure out mechanical for me and you later. Um, for myself, it was just how do I delay this decision making as long as possible? Uh, and mechanical is the most broad. Was that similar for you? No, I think I. I inclination towards mechanical i did i did some thinking do i like electrical engineering not really do i want to do coding software engineering computer engineering not really chemical engineering i like calculus more than more than chemistry i don't think so i was leaning i I probably could have been convinced maybe to do something like industrial engineering maybe at the time Mm -hmm. um but uh, i think i I had a pretty strong leaning at that point even at even beginning of freshman year i think towards mechanical engineering you did a year or two of engineering um you know, I had asked Evan, I know there was a, uh, some weed out classes, if you will. The, the first couple of years, you ended up getting a good internship. What was your, what did that look like? And what was your mental state at that time? Were you like, I have to get an internship or did things just kind of work out? Or what was that like? Well, the first year, our freshman year, we had that one weed out course, uh, big statics it was. Um, and I... I knew, I think at that point, we already knew that there were some high flyers, some people who had some pretty good connections. They, they, I've, that we've heard rumors of these magical people who would get their internship in the summer of their, at, at the end of their freshman year. But it was, you know, few and far between. And I had already kind of um, a little more background on me. I started learning German in, in high school. We had a really, also really good teacher. Um, and I just kind of continued studying it because I just liked it. I didn't, I didn't have the idea of putting the German and mechanical engineering together at the time, but I did know I liked German. So I was thinking, okay, um, studying abroad, let me, let me look into studying abroad in that summer. And so I kind of didn't put the pressure on myself to try to find an internship that first summer. Um, and, um, I always knew I had the backup of going and doing some kind of summer job. So I kind of pushed for that. I talked to my mom about it and she, she was willing to support me. And um, so, you know, despite, you know, taking our first mechanical engineering course that year, I um, just opted to pursue this study abroad opportunity in Berlin and get my electives out of the way um, as early as possible. Yeah. So then after that, you mixed German and engineering a little more, right? So, yeah, it was a happy, uh, happy accident. So the following year when I, you know, got into more of the mechanical engineering uh, course load. We have, you know, NC State has a giant career fair uh, twice a year, and uh, we, I was in attendance. And at that point, I didn't even know that BMW had a manufacturing facility in South Carolina, living only an hour and a half away, you know, for however long I was in Charlotte at that point. Uh, so I had no idea. So I was at the career fair, and, and funny enough, the guy who was coordinating the career fair was also our engineering 101 teacher, our professor. And he was, um, so he, he got, so I, I came to him and just to say hi, cause you know, I asked, you know, I was, I was the, I was the kid asking some, 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 some dumb questions occasionally in the class. And uh, assuming he'd know my name, he remembered my name, 
which you know that, that was my my pride. Uh, he a goes, name, yes. My, my name is Vlad, by the way. And he uh, he goes, oh, Dimitri, good to see you, Dimitri, good to see you, man. What a what a pleasure to see you. And I was like, hey, man, my name's Vlad. He's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I I I I knew that. I knew that. Now listen here. Where is there something in here? Is there is there a company here that has sparked your interest? Do you want me to introduce you to somebody? I'm like, hell yeah. So I was like, yeah, I don't know. And BMWs, you know, that looks pretty interesting. So he, so he again, he doesn't even know my name at, at this point. Just he just learned my name. Probably thought I was some random kid off the street. He brings me over to the booth where BMW is has their whole setup, and he brings me right to their hiring manager because usually they have a hiring manager and some people from HR. And he takes me right to the hiring uh, manager and he goes, hey, listen, um, this is Vlad here, superstar at NC State, rising star, like super just great, great questions, really inquisitive, you know, like really analytical mindset. Uh, you have to talk to this kid. Like, you know, you're not going to regret it. And I was like, oh, thank you. And then, you know, he grabs my resume. I have no experience on there, you know, no relevant engineering experience, just like three or four engineering courses at the time. And that the only thing that stuck out at that point was um, my study abroad and my and German language skills. Of course, BMW being a German company, and this guy looks up at me and he goes, hey, um, so it says here you can speak, you know, intermediate German. Like, is that true? I'm like, yeah. Like, and it wasn't, it was not intermediate at that point. It was, it was like a high beginners, but you know, it's resume. You gotta, yeah. I'll put up your resume. Come on. Exactly. And so he's like, so he switches to German. And uh, and it luckily wasn't too complicated, and so I was able to to, to roll with the punches and, and respond, and and it was enough to impress him. So he's like, "All right, cool." So he took my resume, and that's back then when not so much stuff was online. And he took my resume, and uh, I got a request for an interview. And a few months later, I had the the co- the, the co-op at BMW Manufacturing in South Carolina. There we go. Yeah, the and I, and that was and that was my mentor, and he's still working for BMW, and we still no probably way. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Wait, who was the NC State guy who introduced you? Brian Brian uh, Kaler. Kohler. Kohler Kaler. Kohler. I remember him too. I can't say it too right I never asked him exactly how to say it. You see, I don't even know his name. Yeah, that, fair enough. Just yeah. some flavor of Dimitri, probably. Um, nice. I didn't. I didn't realize he was still your engineering manager. That's awesome. Yeah. So you went. You went the co-op route, as did I. So you knew you were set up for an internship and a little bit more, and you had some international aspirations too, which made sense. Mm-hmm. And got to go to BMW, great company, and the thriving metropolis of Spartanburg, South Carolina. Um, cool. So let's jump ahead a little bit. So now you're a senior. Well, so a co-op pushed you back a year. He took five years to graduate. Same with myself. Right. We were uh, we were roommates super senior year. Nice. Uh, Vlad's a little cleaner than I am, which is a little surprising, but uh, a good right. thing in general. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and so we're, we're approaching graduation. You had some experience with BMW. Is that who you wanted to stay with? What ended up happening there? Um, so I had had in between BMW and graduation, I had an internship also at Boeing and Everett, Seattle oh, and, uh, okay. and, and, um, that was, it, it was, you know, obviously a manufacturing company as well, but very different in that, you know, you don't have as many units that are being produced. So if you, as an engineer, you're working on something, there's some kind of change being introduced. You don't, 
you see that every day on a BMW or you would eventually. You don't see that every day on a, on a Boeing because you don't fly them every day and you certainly don't build them every day, right? It takes a long time to build a, a, a plane versus, you know, cars rolling off the line, you know, a thousand per day at this point in Greenville. Or, sorry, Spartanburg, South Carolina. And you were there for one summer as opposed to, you know, seeing a couple different semesters, but go ahead. No, but it gave me, I think, a, a nice comparison to the automotive industry and the, and the airspace industry. And I felt like I enjoyed a lot more um, the automotive industry because of that kind of higher speed of, of, of innovation and your technology and kind of um, more, you can see yourself more in your work, I guess, is the, the basis, the, the essence of that. Um, and on that, I kind of, I was going back and forth um, coming into graduation. I was thinking, do I, do I, because I applied to a rotational program uh, at BMW and, um, and I, I got accepted, uh, I got hired, but I was still, I also started applying to some master's programs in Germany uh, for automotive engineering. And it was, I mean, I think it was up until I think a few months before, maybe even after a little bit after graduation where I finally totally decided to do a master's degree, but it was, that was a long discussion. I remember even, we even had discussions on the, the merits of doing a master's versus mm -hmm. uh, just stopping the bachelor's and, 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 and going into the workforce. And I opt, it was, it was with very heavy hesitation. I, I declined the job at BMW immediately then. And I went on to do my master's program in Germany. For automotive so you had that offer in your hand, well, online, for a month or two when when did you decline that like was that all pretty early i think it was the the interviews were it was it was i think it was late spring maybe maybe may or something like that i think it was when the um because i remember i was still in nc state and the offers came in um and i i applied, I applied and you wouldn't i wouldn't have wouldn't have heard back from a master's program until uh june i think or maybe even july and so there was a risk where when I decided not to take the job at BMW then uh, that I could have not been accepted by the university and then I would have been kind of stuck in limbo. And actually that kind of is what happened for a little bit because I didn't get accepted initially. And then basically I appealed and I got ended up getting in. So that was a close call, but that was really close to the chest. I think I was actually visiting you in Nashville at that point. Um, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that weekend, that was like, my little getaway from from uh, from the stress of that that week. So a couple months in that limbo, which was probably a little heightened stress when you got the first rejection, but ended up working out. And right, you had decided that you're young, you have all this opportunity, you'll work for the rest of your life, perhaps might as well go to school now, especially if it will send you abroad for a couple of years. So yeah, no, that was that was super cool. And I think that a lot of listeners of this show would probably be interested in international opportunities as well. So, yeah. So there were a number of things different about your master's program than our NC State engineering program. I remember hearing some of the horror stories. What was like your one or two biggest takeaways academically and then also personally? Um, uh, yeah, so... Yes, the, the system in Germany is very different because, first of all, they have different levels of university, of college. When you, we say college, for them, the definition of college is like a, a trade school, almost a higher level trade school. So they have different levels of university. They have a basically like a trade school, then um, a college, then a university. And so your college is more like your practical stuff. You have more project work, more teamwork, less you know theoretical stuff. Then you have your university where it's almost 
all you know theoretical stuff um and it's a lot you know it's a lot more challenging as far as the the level of coursework that you get so um i was in the the university echelon i guess you could say and the way that the german system works there uh at that level is that you have essentially all the freedom you have your homework isn't counted there's virtually no projects or very little project work and um no quizzes no midterms just one exam at the very end and if you fail you fail and if you get a bad grade you get a bad grade if you get a good grade you get a good grade but it's the preparation is all up to you um and so you have basically five months within that semester to prepare uh to get yourself ready and take that test and it's and it is not a joke it is not a like i mean it was i'll put to put this into perspective i've never i never failed never came well i came close to failing one, one exam at nc state but here my first semester i failed four out of my five exams and my parents thought that i was like they were just shocked they thought i was like partying too much and um but i i did not change my habits at all since nc state so i was doing the same exact kind of you know cookie cutter studying practices and you know stuff to get through my time in germany and it just wasn't working the takeaway from me in that master's program was not so much the actual the the automotive engineering stuff which of course i i got but it was the fact that just to organize yourself completely alone put together a plan action you know make you go for it and 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 carry that out in terms of studying knowing yourself knowing how you study right if you're looking at a computer and you're looking through your practice tests on your computer but you get distracted by YouTube, which I did all the time. That doesn't help, right? Because you're, you're distracted the whole time. So I had to actually, I was I started printing out everything, printing out all my exams, closing my laptop completely for hours at a time and just going through those exams. And uh, and for me going on my laptop was like a reward. Um, and just knowing those things about yourself, uh, it took a lot of, obviously, took a lot of uh, trial and error and help from friends to, to get to that point. But it was very rewarding. The the interesting thing about the German master's program is at the end you have a master's thesis. All of them do. There's no there's no like master's program without a thesis in Germany like there is in the U.S. It's all with the thesis, and uh, that was one of the coolest things. Is is and a lot of the theses are partnered with um, companies. So I did mine with BMW in Munich, in Germany, and so I did a project uh, improving one of their um, acoustics issues with um, related to the hatch of some of their smaller SUVs and smaller um, um, hatchbacks. And that was a really cool thing. It was a really nice culmination of kind of my studies as well as um, mm -hmm. kind of a, it was a nice finished, like a bow on top of the whole, of the whole, let's say box of presents that I put together in, in my masters. Yeah, well, and I wanted to kind of circle back too, because I remember you saying in high school, you just kind of picked engineering. You weren't necessarily a super, hands-on guy or wanted to code or like be kind of that typical engineer and then you ended up going into this very you know focused program thesis what do you think made you you know was it just to get to germany or was there a different mindset that made you go from oh maybe engineering to this is you know a, a passion of mine almost well interesting i wouldn't use even now i wouldn't say it's a passion but it's interesting sure. to say that because um it, I, when I started failing on those exams, especially that, especially that third semester where I, I thought I was on a good way and then I failed, 
again, I had serious doubts about whether I wanted to do that because I knew that I would have to really get um, focused. And, and a lot of the people that were in that program were like real car guys. They were like, you know, tinkering with their cars on the side or they were even like, in the, right. Or in the SAE, the formula racing team. And they were very involved. They're very, um, they knew their stuff. They really did. Um, I wasn't one of those guys. And I, I, I think my, the discipline that I developed through that program is what got me through it. Not necessarily my love for automotive engineering. And so mm-hmm. if you ask me, you know, did I, you know, I wasn't so sure in, in high school and then I doubled down basically, right. With automotive engineering, I think it, I just, I went where I think my skills, I felt like my skills were the strongest. So, uh, you know, I did well in mechanical engineering. I knew I liked learning German. And when I did the internship or the co-op at BMW, and I also did an international internship with BMW in, in my bachelor's for six months, I knew that those two things could mesh really well. And there was a lot of opportunity there. And I just kind of went with the current on that one. Right. And that really was the reason there wasn't any any particular passion for engineering in general or automotive engineering in, in, in particular. What it did do and going with that current, I think what it helped is, for example, when I ended up getting my full time job at BMW in, in, in Spartanburg, South Carolina, it was with an, it was with an international rotational program for which when I applied to, I was, you know, out of there's really only a handful of other candidates that were as qualified as I was. And they, you know, they were nowhere to be found to be found. Literally I was interviewing against nobody else. It was just me uh, for that role. So really? the requirement is you have a master's degree, German language skills on top of that, I have, you know, Russian and, and so an experience at BMW. So I was so perfectly like, let's say um, curated for that. Ooh any program that it, uh, it it just kind of fell into place and ironically enough the after the the the, the trainee program the rotational program i got um I'm, I'm in a role now that's more project management than engineering really mm-hmm. yeah a, a step back before we get to that so compare and contrast real quick where you think you'd be if you had taken that first job with bmw you know still a good company good rotational program good exposure good experience and then obviously the trials and tribulations and then the outcome from what you'd ended up doing in Germany. Do you think you'd be in kind of the same spot or uh, what are your thoughts there? That is a good question. I, I don't think I ever thought about it. I know. Th- um, Over here. Dude, I, I don't know. I haven't thought about it. Well, I'll give you my take. Um, I, I And thinking about our friends and where I'm at too, I feel like, you might be in a similar spot professionally, but a lot of those skills, the organizational skills, um, some of the personal growth that it took to go abroad, uh, all of these connections that you've had. Well, and even on top of that, living where you're at now. So Vlad, for the listeners, very social guy, um, you know, prefers to like meet as many people as possible and throw a party with all of them and make people feel great. And he's a interesting and and all of those things. And I think that if you had gone through a rotational program, maybe right out of school, you would have moved around a couple places, maybe to some rural places, maybe you would have been in Spartanburg a lot, and you may not have found this kind of niche at BMW. Um, And then by you being able to be in Germany and meet all these people and do a stint in Mexico for BMW, like you did, you found enough personal growth where you feel like the company has, you know, helped you with this more than held you back. 
And that kind of gets to where you're at now, which is a position that you're happy with and a town you like, and still all of these other ambitions and growth potentials still through the same company. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? I would. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds about right. I like that. <laughs> I hadn't really thought about it either, but, um, you know, when I, when you come into school, if you have one on the one offer on this side and you're kind of like, maybe and one offer, you're like, okay, yes, I'm going to go for that. You can't help but think a little bit like, what if I had done the other thing? Granted, you know, we don't look back and reflect nearly as much as we try to look ahead. So now well, you just, I'll put, this, I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. Um, maybe. one of the things that I think about, I did think about it really is if I had to do it again, what I would I would I have done mechanical engineering? Let, let, let's let's take it a step further back. Sure. Um, seeing, especially, I think ha having my experience at BMW and even I think Boeing, industrial engineers are very very demanded right now. BMW and, they, and especially a few years ago, I remember like thinking, oh man, that would have been something I think I could have enjoyed because it's not as technical. It's more about processes. It's more about mm -hmm. um, you know so applicable to anything manufacturing anything that has a process behind it you know like if it's if it's a healthcare system it's a production system anything and i remember thinking and to this day i think if i didn't do like if i had to do it again i probably would have done industrial engineering mechanical engineering is kind of narrows you down more than industrial and i think for the personality type that i had like you said uh i'm not so much a specialist i'm more of a generalist i think and even in my role now at bmw I'm a, I'm a you know project i guess lead for um for uh for parts procurement for prototype vehicles so it's not really mm -hmm. yes there's some technical stuff involved but really nothing that's that that merits me having an automotive engineering degree and i think with an industrial engineering degree it's it's more it's more broad and it's more agile i guess for lack of a, a better word yeah so so two things there so one you're a communicator right i mean your language skills kind of everything that you want to do is communicate with people and and I think that what you're saying to being a generalist speaks to that. You know, you'd rather talk to multiple groups about a project than just zone in and do your engineer thing. Um, the other thing that I'll agree with, but kind of say a little differently, is when you're a mechanical engineer, I picked it at least because it was still so general in an engineering sense. So I would thought about it as being a generalist. When you come out of school, it's like every position says major, every engineering position majors mechanical and then whatever else they need. I mean, it could be electrical engineering position and they'll still make mechanical. When you're studying processes like you are in industrial, it relates a little bit more to just general business processes. So you can apply it like you're saying. All right, so let me sharpen up that point. Industrial engineering, I think, has a greater appeal to me because it's kind of merging kind of process operations and, and operations and engineering versus just pure mechanical engineering. So now... We don't have to get too detailed because I know a lot of our listeners don't know a lot of technical jargon, but from mm -hmm. what you do day-to-day -day project management, how would you explain that at a high level? How do I explain this without boring your, your people to tears um, <laughs> or myself for that matter? Um, right. So in my role, what I do is not very sexy, I guess, because when you think of BMW, you think of what? You think of cars, you think of fast cars, big engines, you know, luxury, this and that. Um, and so when you think about engineering, as somebody who did automotive engineering going into BMW, you're thinking, okay, you probably get to drive the cars, you're, you know, designing something, you're validating some kind of technology, this and that. And no. So what I'm doing is I work in the project sphere, so I'm focused on a specific vehicle that we're working on at a certain time and, and and we do you know we prototype a lot in order to validate all the stuff that we're releasing 
um, that we're launching right in the next iterations of the next year of the cars that you'll see in the dealerships or in a totally new project. And my role in that is to make sure that all the parts for these prototypes um, get there on time because um, for okay, serious, uh, all every part that makes up a car, every part, everything from the wheels to the engine to the panels, everything, every, absolutely everything. So um, when when, the, when a series car is built, a, a customer car is built, right? All the processes are very fine tuned. The suppliers know what they're doing. They have a very specific tack time when they're supposed to build a, a part and then you know package it and then send it off to us. Some of it is just in time. Some of it we we keep in our warehouse. Um, all of that when we're launching a new product, a new car, and we're prototyping, all those a lot of those parts are not coming in the the the, the series way. So you have all of these exceptions, and those exceptions have to be managed. And that's where somebody like me comes along, because there's a lot of things that there has to be a lot of cross communication between suppliers, the designers, our logistics, to make sure that the parts come in and they come in reliably. Because we build a, you know, we don't build just a few prototypes; we build quite a few. Okay. Um, so yeah, yeah, certainly a different process when you have all the things baked for a car that's manufactured. I mean, you think about the big plants and putting this part together and robots and that's i obviously don't know that much about it either yeah. um yeah. but when you're doing you know tens of cars or hundreds of cars instead of thousands you would need someone to to pick up the pieces and organize and so kind of back to the communicator point you need to work between a lot of different teams you're meeting a lot of people you're touching a lot of you know german people american people and right. bringing that all together correct I mean, it all, I mean, what is project management? It's it's ultimately managing people, it, without and a lot of and in my case, it's without authority, right? So, that I mean, that that's what it is. It's 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 working with people and it's and it's kind of leading without authority. That's what it comes down to. And right, the technical, my technical education, I think, helps in some ways because I can maybe, if let's say if I have a colleague that's not um, doing their due diligence, I can maybe dive into a technical topic and figure it out. But then ultimately that bogs you down in a specific piece of that um, process that you could have spent, you know, elsewhere and would have been more efficient. So um, it's not, you know, my education, I think, is is, is helpful, but not necessary. And um, what was the question? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, no, that's well, that's another point. I mean, I think that I went into some positions where they say. You have to have an engineering degree to get this position, and it's not necessarily the technical know-how. Some of it's the problem solving, but I personally think that you know some some of the soft skills like communicating and hardworking effort and that kind of thing matters a little bit more than the engineering background. But they go hand in hand a little bit. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, right. So engineering, what does it teach you? An engineering education is at its core problem solving and it gives you the tools to problem solve right you learn thermodynamics so you can whatever you can let's say figure out a problem that involves um you know a refrigeration cycle or something but in the case of um i think that the issue that engineers fall into and i see it every day is uh, engineers and a lot a lot of mechanical engineers at that they kind of tend to get bogged down in and go into detail and try to so start solving the problem before they really know the big picture and um and I think that's the benefit of work, right? And I think that's the benefit of what I like about my role is that you kind of get to see everything from a high level because you get to see the big picture and you get to see where kind of all the puzzle pieces fit together in order to make sure that all the parts are there. Yeah, I, I feel similarly in my job where I feel like 
and maybe this is consistent across a lot of people who are newer in their career, but it might be easier to see the high level because we're not quite as in tune with 20 plus years of looking at something very specifically or getting more detailed with it. So maybe that's just you and I's personality. Maybe that's something that a lot of younger people feel. I don't really know, but maybe we'll figure that out through additional episodes. Um, all right. Well, I think that's good on the job. I think we've got a pretty good picture of who Vlad is, at least professionally and educationally. Um, not a lot of meeting Vlad in person is a whole different experience. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that comes through a little bit. But um, a couple questions just to bring things home. So one question I ask people is, what's your biggest screw up? And I'm going to assume that yours is some of those tests in your master's degree, unless you really want to talk about something else. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, biggest screw up. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a, like a low level screw up. Like it's, it's just you fail a test, whatever. It's not like uh, anything crazy. I remember that... Uh, I think at the time I thought my biggest screw up before that was when I did my internship at BMW in Munich and I was doing, um, I was in their acoustics department where they would basically test, um, um, my job was to, to inst like to install all these, all this measurement equipment into a BMW and, and test, um, basically the, the difference in, in, in sound isolation and all, all kinds of different noises based on the different parts that we have in the car. So one example is like tire noise. If we put a different tires on, how loud is it? Would it be picked up by the customer? Is it how annoying is it? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I would, um, and I, I had, um, and in, in Germany, of course, everything's much smaller than in, than in the U.S. You have, there's less space, you know, smaller parking spaces. And even their workshop there um, was super small because it was built, you know, in the 70s when the cars were even smaller than they are now. But we had these big, you know, X5s and stuff, and and I was and I and I took a turn. I was in the workshop, and I took a turn too too fast, and the whole like part of the left, like I just you could just hear the car going like the car scrape the edge of the wall, like wall, and then like and then I, I was like, oh shit! So I put it in reverse, and then I was like, Arr! and it scratched again. So I just stopped it. I was like, and I got out, and I couldn't even get out on my side because my door was locked in. No. So I just got out the other side. And I was like, help! <laughs> and some German dude like was like unbelievable. This American star, or the but at the time you're an intern, you're sitting there like, oh my god, what did I? Do? Oh yeah, I was like, is this is this it for me? This is over. Like, is this the end of my very brief career? At, well, not even my career, my my little tiny internship. Uh, cool. Uh, what is something you do every single day besides check Instagram? You see, I, my, my impulse is to, is to like, I want to lie right now. I just be like, yeah, I read every day. And there's one of those things that like a successful people, yeah, I mean, I, I wake up and I meditate for 35 hours. Um, <laughs> uh, I, try, I try to be more consistent about reading also. I know we had actually during Corona, we had, uh -oh. we, we organized a little uh, impromptu uh, book club. That went, that went well for about three seconds. The problem is, so I have all these books, and you know yourself because I, I I got your uh, your copy of Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. And uh, the problem is that every single time, the idea of looking at it, see, it seems cool, right? To, but then when you actually sit down, it's like you just got back from work. You're tired from work. The last thing you want to do is have something related to work, and that's hard to do. So I typically read something that's unrelated. Like I'm into a really big into Greek ancient Greek history right now. It's funny because you would think – I would want myself to have a better answer, better answer for your question of what you do every day, but it comes down to wife, a little bit of reading, consistent workout routine, 
and you know a lot of YouTube videos in between. <laughs> All kinds of stuff. Comedy, stand-up comedy, Simon Sinek or whatever the guy's name is, right? That's a good one. See, yeah, that's that's what I want. I want the unadulterated. I don't want the, answer. Answer. I don't want the oh yeah. yeah, I read every day. I mean, come on. Um, cool. Couple more. Tell me something you're excited about, and this certainly doesn't have to be work related. Uh, okay, so what? My my wife is coming back on this Saturday, so I'm excited about yeah. that. Woo! Thirty years old. Woo! I'm excited about my wife. Um. I'm excited about, actually, it's funny. I just uh, started watching Rick and Morty. People have been telling me for a really long time just to watch it. And I got the, uh, like, I used Blu-ray first three seasons, and I just just crushed them, dude. Within a, within a week, I uh, watched almost all the episodes except for the last two. And that is so funny, man. And so the ideas they have in that show is pretty incredible, especially when you um, – you know, once you get into like the work life uh, world and you go back, come back from work at like, let's say five, you know, you get something to eat or you go to the gym and then really you only have about an hour or two left before you have to go to bed. So to watch a whole movie, you know, or watch an hour long show, you know, Ricky Moore is just perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Vlad's been in the office since we're in the plant because he works in a plant and you need hands and eyes and people. Uh, so I know that that decompression time for a lot of people was the commute. Uh, you have a pretty quick commute, but a lot of people have had that taken away from them. So, so right, decompressing with a little Rick and Morty. Why not? Uh, what is your mentor doing that you're not? Ooh. And you have a mentor. And you don't have to name anyone. Uh, yes. So I have, I would say kind of the mentor is still the guy that actually hired me. He's now actually not working in Spartanburg. He's working in, um, in, in, BMW North America and in Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Uh, when I, because I, I read this book, uh, I think you did, did too, the um, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Half of it. <laughs> uh, there, there we go. But I remember when I read, I met him, obviously, I met him before I read the book. And I read the book, I was like, oh my God, it's like the guy seems like he read the book and take, took every single principle to heart and he just lives his life according to those principles because you will never criticize somebody directly. He'll find another way to let a person know that they, they, they have, there's a better, that they, they need to improve. Holding them to higher standards. He would never just be like, you did a horrible job. You're, you know, you're an awful employee. Um, just very strategic, even in, in the way that he deals with people. I think that's something that I, I don't know if you could tell in this podcast, dear listeners, is I tend to be, um, I, I tend to shoot first, ask questions later, a little more impulsive, a little more intuitive. As much as I would like to think that my engineering education has helped me to kind of um, round some of those edges of mine. Yeah. Um, that, and I think what he does very well is he's able to um, be a little more zen, be a little more, um, take a few more moments to think before speaking. Um, and that's something that I, I get into trouble sometimes is I think I, um, I speak a lot of times rather than when I should listen. Um, and luckily it's news to me. I know. Right. Isn't that crazy? I think I tell myself to do the opposite and speak up a little bit more. Is there one thing you could change today as last one that could make you happier? Be pretty happy guy. Yeah, pretty happy. I was going to say that, uh, right now there's, and I know that I noticed this in Boeing. I noticed this at BMW where there's like a switch. There's like a switch from the old guard 
to maybe the new guard where you have you know baby boomers that are uh, coming to the, towards the tail end of their career and, 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 the, and a lot of industries are changing. There's a lot of disruption, including the automotive industry in particular, my case. And what I'd like to see change is, which I think is already is changing uh, to some degree, is um, change to a more um, younger sort of leadership. I think a lot of us are coming of age as far as not just as professionals. I think that's already happened or is happening. But coming, um, I think we're coming of age as a, as leaders as well. And I think um, um, there's, I think our generation is really coming into that space where we, I think we can begin to lead. And I think it'll be a good thing, um, especially with with all the digitalization, electrification, autonomous driving that's happening in the automotive world. I think there's uh, time for fresh ideas. I think there's time for. Um, um, I think a, a more accelerated uh, movement into that direction. I think, uh, as, as well as also, I think a lot of manufacturing companies have been kind of behind the ball as far as remote working is concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that BMW manufacturing has been a little slow to adopt that for positions that I think I would argue uh, could uh, see the benefits of it. Interesting. Yeah, I I think that the kind of two industries that I touch are both old school with real estate and construction. I think you could toss automotive in there, but you could probably toss a whole bunch of different companies and industries in there. And you know, remote work is one thing you could put your finger on, but yeah, just, just some diversity and leadership, whether that's age or anything else, I think I would like to see as well. Uh, cool. Well, I appreciate you hanging out with me, Vlad. Uh, some insightful answers. Hopefully I made you think a little bit. I think I did. <laughs> Um, is there anything you want to promote? Anyone you want to say hi to? That's pretty much it for us. So hi, mom. Uh, if you're watching, I made it. Um, and uh, <laughs> you might hear it. That's gonna piss my dad off. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, if, if, to, if anybody's listening, I mean, I think um, there's a lot of uncertainty, um, and you think that that uncertainty goes down because I mean even I'm thinking now about uh you know what I want to do in the next what's my next five-year plan right what's what's my plan five years from now um it could be simple it could be very uh complicated it could be static it could be very dynamic it's I think uncertainty is okay so I think there's a lot of stress involved with a lot of uncertainty and I think the, the you know a big inflection point of uncertainty of course is high school going to college and then college going into the working world and uh but it's it's normal, and uh, I think there's you you are trapped into thinking that there's maybe only a few there's only one or two or three op- correct options. It's like a math problem in mechanical engineering, right? In, in thermodynamics and, and statics. Hey, there's only one answer, or there's a range of answers. Um, I think it's much more broad than that, and I think it's um, it, a lot of times it comes down to your gut feeling, your intuition as to um, where you're going to go, what you're going to pursue, where you're going to study, where you're going to where you're going to end up working. Um, so it's so that 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 feeling is totally okay, um, and things will eventually work out one way or another. Yeah, no, that's that's prescient. There's all this certainty, which is you know you know you you'll go to college, or you at least did. You know you'll probably get a job after college, and then so much uncertainty in each of those decisions. So, yeah, no, I, I appreciate all your insight, Vlad. I learned a couple things about you too, which is fun, and um, yeah. Thanks a lot. Signing off.